Coming to you from Riverside, California in my studio, where all of the neighborhood's dogs just decided to start barking. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. I did something a little bit different for this episode. We broadcast this one live on LinkedIn. Uh, You can go to my page and see it as a post, I believe. It's a solo episode, and we're talking Henry Stewart London coming up on March 1st. We're We're talking 3D, sustainability and creative production, and working toward that Star Trek future. I decided not to edit this one for content at all because it just kind of helped retain that live feel. But if we do these live broadcast episodes in the future, which I think we will, I kind of enjoyed it, um, we'll probably edit it for content and make it feel more like a normal podcast episode. There's no teaser quote for today. We're jumping right in. Yeah, I don't know what I can do about that, but we're going to go ahead and go live because I got to get this episode recorded. I thought it would be fun to go live on LinkedIn to record episode 145, the e-commerce content creation podcast, which I had been planning to do a um, a solo episode for this episode. So um, I'm going to talk about a few things. The main thing I think I want to talk about is... Not the main thing, but the first thing that I want to talk about is like taking a look at what's going on with Henry Stewart, um, Henry Stewart Photo Studio Operations event coming up in London on March 1st. So I um, I just uh, just got a text from my wife. The timing of this is kind of bad. I guess we'll have to edit this part out. I just got the stream. It took a while to get figure out how to get back to LinkedIn live. Um, so that I can go live in the first place. It's, pretty clunky process uh and it ended up being like a simple link but i don't i couldn't find anywhere on my account to access it without like going through the help center looking through a bunch of help articles to where they finally linked to it it's very weird so talking about henry stewart's photo studio operations event in london on march 1st i wanted to take a look at the lineup of speakers and some of the topics that they're going to be talking about um, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting, uh, an in- another another pretty interesting conference. They keep kind of getting better and better. Um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there in London um, for the event, and probably we'll get a chance to connect with a few people. I've sent out some messages to some folks that I'd like to reconnect with, uh, particularly since I was in London last last March for the Henry Stewart event. Um, and I had a lot of really interesting conversations with a lot of people at studios out there and a lot of really cool projects that I'm curious to get caught up on. So there's a lot of um, there just an overview of the Henry Stewart agenda for photo studio operations. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, more than probably two dozen times does the word change appear either in the title or in the description of a session. And so for anybody who uh, has never participated in one of these events, like as a speaker or anything, um, those uh, 
they the, you write those like this if you're a keynote speaker or if like you're a moderator um of a panel you usually write those session descriptions and pass those off to the henry stewart team for the agenda so it's kind of an interesting way thing to use uh to see kind of what's on the mind of people um the the people who are giving these talks um and change is one of those things for sure change um a lot of different things and i know like it's been almost cliche to talk about change since COVID because COVID was causing the world to rapidly change. Um, and it kind of feels like now it starts to seem like it's sort of a, a technological domino almost because the tools that that have come about since COVID kind of forced us to rethink the way we work collaboratively and the way that we can use the internet and and connectedness to work together and collaborate uh, from all different corners of the world um, precipitated a whole bunch of other things that could change. Like now we, we solved one problem, which is how are we going to continue to work and collaborate when we can't always come into the office every day? Uh, and, and then it was like, well, how can we use some of these things to improve other workflows and change other workflows and, and become more efficient in certain ways. So on top of that, we add sort of the, the conversation around AI to the mix and, and, and to a lesser extent, I think, unfortunately, 3d, which we're going to talk about quite a bit. Um, and the second part of this episode, but the, uh, you know, thinking about like AI coming in and and knowing, feeling kind of deep down that it's going to change things pretty profoundly and then having still kind of an unclear idea as to how exactly they're going to change things, um, how exactly AI is going to change things. You like it just I'm going back to this thing about the idea of change being cliche. It still is super duper important. <laughs> it's like still super duper important to know how to manage those things and to know how to evaluate kind of certain tools and your own processes and workflows um, and trying to now introduce a sort of sense of like fortune telling in a way, I guess. I don't know, to kind of figure out what new sort of creative experiences need to be kind of planned for. But um, for me, what I what I'm kind of putting my money on, I don't want to dance around it that much more and I'm not putting any money on it uh, literally, but I'm interested in 3D. I think 3D really has the power to dramatically change the way that we produce creative content. And I don't mean in a way um, I think it can be as profound as the way as as when we say AI, I think it could be as profound as the way that feels. I think there's a lot of places where AI tools and AI well tools basically I don't know what I'm just any other words going to be a synonym for tool like the AI stuff is going to be about polish. It's going to be about getting things that didn't look so good last year looking really great next year. That's obviously the power of of what we've come to call AI, the, the broad umbrella of what we call AI and creative uh, production and creative content. So, I mean, what I mean by that is thinking about like being able to create 3D models from relatively low resolution images or like maybe not needing the photogrammetry to the extent that you needed before to create 3D models of, of things from uh, a set of images AI can do a lot of the filling in the gaps um, 
and whatever sort of like if you want to call it AI or machine learning, that's a really interesting place, I think. And then the other, you know, the other big application that we've seen some pretty profound tools come to use um, that we're using today in creative production is like AI tools that have come into Photoshop. And so like, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting the way we're talking about it because we've sort of kind of lumped it under this umbrella of AI. But what we have is like we've had a major breakthrough in how we build technology. And it means that more useful features are coming to the tools that we use and they're coming fast. And we're able to do things that might have seemed impossible or very difficult to do a couple of only a couple of years ago. Um, I certainly am using a lot of AI tools for things like recapping information, looking at transcripts of podcasts and helping me develop a some show notes around that kind of thing like it does it excels at those kinds of things and i think it can excel at other sort of textural applications when it comes to like photography i think there will be probably some really mind-blowing introductions of ai and algorithmic photo generation into actual cameras that will really push the limits of what a camera can do um and then there's going to be this whole other i think kind of splinter off into 3d and using 3d as the basis for uh creating image assets as we use them today but then also building that foundation of having those 3d assets for the next generation of customer experiences so i went way on a rabbit hole around that topic uh, and kind of got off of the agenda for henry stewart but basically it went it goes back to change everybody who wrote these session descriptions has used the word change at least once in their session description and there are some really interesting uh interesting discussions that are going to be had so like let's look at a couple of these first of all i think my my friend at the very group mark stalker is chairing the conference for london so congratulations to mark and i, I understand it's some uh, can be uh, a lot, of, not a lot of work, but it is some work. It's some investment that Mark has decided to take on to be the chair for this conference. Um, and he's a, a great guy to know and a great guy to do it, I think. So, well, we'll see. We'll see, Mark. Okay. See, normally when I'm not live, I would just pause here and take a drink of water. Um, I mean, I'm going to do that now because I'm live, but this is what you're getting. This is the bonus content that you're getting because I'm live on LinkedIn for the two people who are watching this. One of those people might be me. Okay, I'm also talking with my hands in a very distracting way. I don't care for watching myself do this. Um, let's see. So we've got a session shifting perspectives, navigating change and evolution in Primark's photographic process. That's with Hannah Massey, photo studio and production manager at Primark. The thing that's really interesting about this session to me is I, I love these kinds of sessions. I really enjoy watching people basically provide their own studio sort of use case it's always nice to have like people who are really smart come up on stage and talk about things in a hypothetical or topic talk about things that are theoretical um but i think it's really interesting when we get to hear from people who have specific stories that they're able to share and that's becoming more and more common i think in the past there's been some hesitancy to share some specifics in this environment but like Guys, every other industry does this. Like every other industry has conferences, shares stories, learns how to do these things better. It's it's not a secret um, and it should be shared. It's it's fun to talk about. I like it. I made a whole career around liking it. 
Um, the very group's got a hold on the Henry Stewart agenda. This time we're going to hear from Kate O'Brien, creative manager of the very group, talking about the Nor the the Nor Noom. This is another thing that I would edit out, but the two uh, LinkedIn audience members are going to get a little flub there. There you go. There's a gift for you. The new norm, the new norm at the very group photo studio. Uh, embark on a transformative journey with Kate O'Brien, fashion studio manager at the very group, as she unravels the evolution of e-commerce fashion in the corporate world. That's going to be super interesting. The very group has been around for a long time, has done, uh, gone through like so many phases of creative. And like, if you've ever listened again, going back to my, my friend, Mark, if you've ever listened to Mark talk, he talks a lot about just changing the way that the studios operate to change with the times in a lot of different ways, uh, where we put the emphasis when it's on production and it's on getting numbers out. And it was like that for a long time coming out of the great recession and then kind of moving the pendulum, swinging the pendulum. I think that's what we named one of Mark's episodes of this podcast, the pendulum swing back to quality uh, versus quantity um, and investing in quality. And then COVID happened and there was a lot of interesting things that the very group did to kind of mitigate the changes to working around COVID. So I'm glad that they're showing up in force um, to London for this event, because that's a talented group of people who have, uh, have a lot of stories to tell, I think, and it could be really useful for a lot of people. Um, following that session, Emily Morris guest on this podcast, soon to be future guest again, I'm going to try to see if I can hook up um, and connect with her to do an in-person podcast. Uh, episode in london while i'm there like why not i'm gonna be there maybe we can spend some time someone was detected at your backyard i forgot to put myself on do not disturb again for the two audience members watching this on linkedin a peek behind the curtain where one of my kids comes to the backyard let's see nope going to make popcorn and i did not put myself on do not disturb this will also get edited out maybe i'll leave it in the final episode because uh not because it's interesting but because i'm lazy Alexa, put on Do Not Disturb. I won't disturb you. Thank you. Okay, so Emily Morris, uh, at noon on that day, um, on March 1st at Henry Stewart, photo studio. I don't know why I'm recapping all of this, like we just came back from a commercial break. Um, Emily Morris's session at noon, embracing a talent-first mindset. Emily has been a guest on this podcast. She will be... Um, uh, hopefully a guest again. I'm going to try to see if we can connect when I'm in London and record an episode in person. Um, and I'm interested in hearing her session. Obviously, I think embracing a talent first mindset is an interesting way to think about uh, how you can. I think it's a really smart way to think about building a photo studio process because talent booking talent is one of those great sort of unknowns. And if you build your process sometimes around production first, it can get it can create a really inflexible process that makes it hard to adapt to changes with uh, talent at the last minute. Um, and that happens like all the time. People get booked, then they can't be booked and then they are available and they're not available and there's holds involved. And it's a very complicated process. Um, Emily is great. Super smart. Can't wait to. Uh, listen in on this session and see what she has to say about that. Um, we're going to explore where creativity stops and production starts. This is always a really interesting, I think, and powerful conversation. Um, the, uh, the, again, okay. 
for the for the two people. Oh, and I don't have anybody in the audience now. I'm just here alone. <laughs> um, so that again happens sometimes. Brain. Oh no, there is two people in the audience. I just didn't. They just took that information away from me for a moment. Uh, sometimes those random brain farts happen, and then I have to edit those out. It's actually kind of embarrassing doing it publicly and even in front of just two anonymous people. Um, we're going to be exploring where creativity stops and where production starts with James Chittenden, uh, creative director at Team ITG. I, th- I mean, this is a real conversation and this is a real question. And this is something that I've been priming my students at Art Center for a lot in their careers, which is that to pursue a career in photography, videography, and creative production for, uh, you know, commerce and not just e-commerce, but any commerce, commercial creative production, it means making some uh, sacrifices. Is that the right word? Maybe not. It means making some compromises about the ways in which you experience creativity. Um, And I think that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For me as a young product photographer shooting tabletop product, it meant not getting to make a lot of creative decisions about how I was shooting the product. But what it meant was I got to spend a lot of time focusing on how to make the product look as good as possible, since that was the only place that I had to sort of explore, if that makes sense. Um, And even then only exploring to an extent. We still have to shoot in light within sort of the style guide. So this is an important conversation i think as we are now to the point where we have commercial photography programs or at least branches not a program at art center but we at least are like acknowledging and building some curriculum around commercial photography and commercial creative production um in a broader level and so that's a really important thing to kind of figure out the balance and the cool thing is the thing i realized about this the other day is a lot of us who grew up as photographers, stylists, junior art directors, those sort of things through the mid to 2010s are becoming more senior studio people now. And we can kind of shape the culture of the studios to what we wish we would have had when we were um, going through it. And they would hire like, per, like <laughs> I was about to just like sneer at the camera and say, hire like a uh, fulfillment center people, fulfillment center managers to come manage studios. Uh, but that would be really rude to say it like that. So I'm, gonna well i said it but i'm probably gonna edit it out we'll see we'll see what kind of editing we're gonna do um and truthfully the biggest not the biggest session that i'm most interested in uh or these two sessions sort of because they're both going to be around um shifting trends and things sort of in the future but the first one my friend kowser ahmed ceo of the cow company I uh, have had a lot of conversations with Kowser recently, and and we have talked at depth about in depth, at depth, in depth, definitely in depth, at depth is nothing. Uh, we have talked in depth about the future of 3D and, and what we can do with it in the near, very, very near term. There's things, there's applications absolutely that we have in the very near term what we can do long-term and what, how workflows are going to have to change and and what types of studios are going to be best equipped to be able to take on 3d in the near future, which I think is something that we should really be looking at a lot and then probably investing in. And like, I mean, if anybody thinks that Amazon is a good indicator of where to invest money in some cases, they're investing a lot into building a pretty robust 3d team, um, which means something is going on and I don't work there anymore. So I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and sometimes I just kind of giggle at my own dumb jokes. So there you go, LinkedIn audience. More 
more behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Another water break. That is a good time to kind of segue into talking a little bit about 3D. I genuinely am really excited to um, hook up with Kowser and hook up with some of the other people that um, I talked to last year in London around this event who are working on 3D or other sort of dynamic asset type projects. I then like I mean, when I mean 3D, I'm kind of lumping into that the sort of like looklet style of thing too, like the dynamic asset thing. Like those are things that are going to be useful. And those are things that we're going to be able to do some really, really incredible things with. And I described this to my students at art center as part of a lecture. Um, the other day that I, I was trying to explain like one of the immediate benefits, um, of like creating 3d models of all of the products that you sell is that I think like maybe it's just because I'm spend most of my time thinking about this stuff and probably thinking about it too much. But I think it might not be clear like where the benefit of that is. Cause I can see where there's a perspective where you might think like, okay, so we make a 3d model for a shoe that we sell and we sell out of, and then we never sell that shoe again. And it's not exactly just about that. It's about you will be able to build all of the components that go into that product, you'll be able to model things, not just the finished sort of product, but you'll be able to kind of model things um, like the components of that finished product and then use that as a basis for like designing new products and like 3D CAD systems and those sort of things. And then use that to kind of like virtually construct the finished product uh, in a way that you can create all sorts of like interesting experiences by being able to dismantle that thing to show customers certain functionalities. Um, and I think like one of the most one of the most interesting things about the 3D side of of all of that is being able to make those product adjustments to final imagery even after production has kind of like shifted. Uh, or even after production has sort of started. And so like one of the things that I explain to my students is it happens all the time. The current process is somebody designs the thing, the garment, let's say, and it gets sent to a factory who is making a set of samples for the designers at some point during, I'm not a, I don't know a lot about fashion design. So there's parts of this. I think I'm probably going to get wrong, but like designers make the design they make the they make the things they need to be able to produce the design. There's some process by which they make the pattern so that they can sew the design. But at some point, they have to have somebody make a sample of what will be the final thing or what they think will be the final thing. Um, and oftentimes those samples go on to be photographed. Uh, those are like sort of pre-production samples sometimes. And they're the ones that sometimes get sent to like Fashion Week. Um, they, they get sent out for various photo shoots. When I was shooting at Hot Look, which, by the way, I don't know if anybody like two audience members out there. Notice that I'm drinking out of my Hotlook mug today. I cherish all of my work mugs because I'm a real dork like that. Um, but at Hotlook, we, you know, we would get uh, samples like that all the time, like like shoes that we were supposed to shoot that had walked many, many runways and looked and were in terrible condition. Uh, and we were supposed to shoot the soles of those shoes. So it was really a weird kind of process. Um, those samples get produced. They go to their fashion shows. They go to their photo shoots. 
those images get used for the various things. Sometimes you would use those to actually shoot product imagery. Like I said, at Hotlook, we were shooting those samples for product imagery so that we could have those images when the flash sale went up uh, and those collections were immediately bought into for a flash sale. So um, you would then what ends up happening is like maybe something gets changed on that thing. And now you have a bunch of images that you can't use potentially because what if the zipper moved or changed or whatever? Uh, and we would get stuff at Conveyor. At the, that was the commercial studio I, I was working at in L.A. right before COVID. We would get stuff all the time, requests for people all the time uh, that like, oh, hey, uh, we redesigned this product. Can you re can you like edit, retouch this photo to match the new design? And it would be like it would be like an entire new thing. Like you're using one photograph that we shot to construct another, which I guess at that point is CG. No, I mean, yeah, computer, like computer aided design, just like wholesale changing it in Photoshop with a person. Um, but imagine what it'll be, what you'll be able to do with a, when you have a 3d model of that thing and you use the 3d model to produce those, those website images and you use the 3d model to produce other sort of videos or you use the 3d models to produce training materials. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal way to create data that we can use to do a lot of different things. And only one of them is produce imagery that we can use to sell for e-com. And um, I, it also kind of gets us like one step closer to the Star Trek future that I'd really like to see us kind of move towards where we can start to think about creative ways to when we do make the production runs for for garments and things. Maybe there's lower waste ways of doing things because now we have um you know because of ai because of machine learning we have ways to capture data about things that we couldn't capture body scan stuff i know that freaks some people out but like i'm kind of interested in having clothes made for me uh using my body scan information and if it's a low waste sort of situation maybe it's the right move and that's one of the big reasons i love moving the industry, the foot, the, the commercial photography and product photography industries towards sort of a 3d moment is, is for that sustainability reason as well. Like think about, think about what it takes to operate a photo studio for product and thinks about sort of the waste involved and the energy involved in that. And there's so many things that we lament a lot in our photo studios that are not super sustainable and consumables that we use over and over. And it generates a lot of waste, not to mention all of the shipping and all of the waste and, and emissions that are generated around the production of the samples and getting a subset of those things over to a photo studio is like a whole other layer. Like disproportionately, the emissions are insane for the set of products that have to get peeled off and sent to the studio. And there's a future where people are designing in 3D and we take those models and we send them to the studio, which is a virtual studio with creatives and stylists and photographers from all over the world who are lighting and composing and using the skills that you hire them for. The skills that you hire them for are not using a camera. That's the tool that they use to create the image today. The skills that you hire them for are creating engaging imagery because they know about light and composition and they know how to evoke emotion through still images. That's why you hire the photographer that you want to hire for that job. And it's just a tool that they use. The camera is just one of the tools. Now, where do I go from here to uh, audience members? I don't know at this point where I'm going to go from here. So I have to take a moment for a water break 
and figure has it really only been 14 minutes there's no way no i've been talking for 27 minutes i wonder if the feeds have been getting interrupted well uh at any rate i think that's probably a good place to end the episode for today I really want to talk about 3D more. I really want to work on some cool things with 3D and I want to figure out how to like use the talent of our creative teams in the studios today to help bring in this, this, these, some of these new technologies. And I think like if we're willing to let some things go that are going to feel really uncomfortable, I think we're going to find a future where we can have the things that we want and work in creative production fields and still have some of the things that we want flexibility on where we can work. All of those kinds of things. And photography is not going anywhere. Like photography will not go anywhere. Uh, that's it, there's it's just not it's just not going to go anywhere. Um, so I'm not saying that no one's ever going to lose their job over this. That's possible. But it's not the photography is not going anywhere. So, yeah, that'll be it for this episode next week. I hope I'll have a guest. I'm the, the up against the gun here to get somebody booked and recorded before I have to leave to go to Henry Stewart. Um, but I have a lot of leads out there to people. So if you're one of the people that I've emailed and you haven't gotten back to me about being a guest on this podcast, please, um, reply to that so we can get the process going. Cause it's fun. And, um, I have a much harder time doing it when I'm talking to myself alone with two strangers watching on the internet. So that's it. This experiment. I don't know if it's successful. I think people will watch this live feed maybe later and think it's interesting. I'll probably leave the, un, the the behind the scenes one up on LinkedIn for a while. I don't care. Um, we'll see. And then I'll edit out a few bits here and there from this one and then get it up on into the feed sometime tonight. Um, so anyway, with that, I think I probably should end the stream to LinkedIn first and then... That's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Many thanks to you, the listener, for listening. The show is hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly with special thanks to Sean O'Meara, Calvin Lands, Ian Mitchell, and the entire Creative Force team, and my lovely wife, Alicia Chester, who just started helping me out on this podcast. Until next time, my friends.